Not too far from Miami, off the South Dixie Highway in Homestead, Florida, sits a world-famous structure. It was created entirely from over 1,000 tons of sedimentary rock that features slab walls, tables, chairs, a crescent moon, a stone telescope, a water fountain, and a sundial that was quarried and sculpted from stone found nearby. It has been compared with Stonehenge and the Great Pyramids of Egypt in its mystery and innovation. Many sources claim that the location originally called Rockgate Park is scientifically inexplicable and has baffled scientists, engineers, and scholars since its inception in 1923. It has appeared countless times in books, magazines, and television shows, as well as the park being listed on the National Register of Historic Places. Musician Billy Idol even wrote a hit song about the place, Sweet Sixteen. For decades, it would feature a perfectly balanced nine and a half ton stone gate at the entrance that despite its weight would easily swing open with a strong breeze or the push of a finger. As strange and amazing as the site is, its history is equally as fascinating. It was created by just one man, working alone for 28 years until his death in 1951. He was a Latvian immigrant named Edward Leedskalnen, who stood, it is said, just under 5 feet tall and weighed 100 pounds. Legend has it that he was inspired to build the structure after being abandoned by his 16-year-old sweetheart on what was to be their wedding day. Spurned by his lost love, he set out to prove to her and the world that he could do something remarkable and make something of himself despite his poverty, physical shortcomings, and fourth-grade education. Today we are talking about the very thing that would make Ed remarkable a mysterious marvel of the modern American mythology, the Coral Castle. Howdy folks, and welcome back to your favorite podcast, That Would Be Rad, a podcast that majors in 80s and 90s nostalgia, comic culture, all things paranormal, and miners in retro video games, tabletop RPGs, ancient architecture, mm. pre-internet mysteries, and raising our kids to be half as cool as we were back in the 80s. We are your hosts, Woody Brown and Tyler Benz. What's up, brother? Hey, man. Dude, I, I got to apologize for my nasal, man. You got it again. It's just these allergies and <clears throat> now turn into like some kind of weird sinus thing. And Tell them about <clears throat> your other symptoms. Anyways. I'm super excited about our episode this week because mm-hmm. this is like one of those things that I'm sure I've kind of heard of. Yeah. You know, there's all these kind of things that you kind of hear about throughout the country, the cool places that you can actually visit that have some sort of mysterious history and often kind of enveloped in some sort of paranormal or, I don't know, it's just really cool and rad. Mm-hmm. So I was excited whenever you brought this uh, topic up. I think, although we just kind of heard... A little bit about this guy, I think maybe starting out with just a little context into who he is, or is that where you want to start? Yeah. So basically, we have a guy named Edward Leedskalman. Uh, We'll call him Ed for, uh, you know, to keep it short. When he was 26 years old, still living in Latvia, he was apparently rejected by his 16-year-old fiance, Agnes 
Skust, uh, S-K-U-V-S-T, which was one day before the wedding. So you have this guy who's incredibly heartbroken. He's, you know, at the time, uh, the dude weighs around 100 pounds, was a little under five foot tall, and he would kind of keep this stature and size throughout his life, uh, mm-hmm. even even as an older older man, but kind of came from poverty. So, you know, he, he found his true love, and then she pretty much left him a day before the wedding. And, uh, ouch. Yeah. You know, in the research, I learned that he was, he was really, really strong willed, pretty political as well. Like he, he was of the, uh, of the belief that, you know, if you didn't work, you didn't get the right to vote. And if like very sort of like idealistic and very like strong, you know, just strong willed basically. And so he took this as his, the sort of the linchpin of, okay, well, I'm going to go do something amazing and prove to, you know, everyone who's always looked down on me uh, and prove to my lost love, Agnes, that I'm going to make something of myself, mm-hmm. you know. And so he hops on the boat, arrives in New York City. When he got in America, he lived in Canada for a while, sort of bounced around, moved to California, moved to Texas. When he was in Texas, he was, you know, he wasn't feeling well. And he had a doctor basically tell him that he had developed tuberculosis. Mm. So in 1980, 18, he... In 1980. 1980, uh, he's a vampire. In 1918, he was living in Florida City, I guess. So that's where he originally moved. Well, I don't know if I'm kind of burying the lead here, but so he when he originally moved to Florida City is when, you know, he started building this structure, building the castle, which he called Ed's Place... And then the official name was, he called it Rockgate Park. It actually wouldn't get the name Coral Castle until after he died, which is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. But he was building it. He was there until 1936. And then when he was in Florida City, he had heard about like a subdivision being built sort of in, near the area. And so, you know, it was kind of encroaching on his his sort of deal there. And so he literally basically packed it all up, moved it close to like Homestead. It's like a little way, a little outside of Miami, like Miami-Dade County. Mm-hmm. Um, so Southern Florida. Which sucks because I, the second that you brought this up, I immediately Googled like, yeah, how long does it take to get Me too. I and think it's the like, exact same. you know, almost 12 hours is a yeah. little bit of a, it's a little too long for me to just hop in the car right now and, and go yeah. take a look. Yeah. For now. Yeah. So, you know, he moved to Homestead, moved it, you know, the the second building. This was 1936. He built 10 acres of land. Uh, He spent the next three years moving the castle and, like, its structures, like, anything that you could kind of move. I'm sure that, I'm sure some of it stayed because it's like, you know, once we get into it, you'll see just how sort of massive and how much of an undertaking all this would be to move. Right. But he moved basically 10 miles away, so. So, okay, so he builds this, attraction now from like i guess he always kind of had it in mind to make it sort of like a destination right like a tourist attraction right and and this kind of be his sort of i don't know what you want to call it his white swan his opus yeah that would prove to his long lost love and his family and everything that he made something of himself and it i mean at the end of the day look we're still talking about it now yeah Almost a hundred years later. That's right. So the the part that kind of takes it to the next level in terms of 
a tourist attraction made of this stone. Mm-hmm. Oh no! What can, did you have you already said what kind of stone it is? No, it's it looks like oolite, but it's actually pronounced oolite limestone. Okay, so it's somewhat like um, I don't know. It's somewhat porous, mm. still super heavy. It kind of looks like I mean, it, it looks somewhat like coral as far as like it being sort of porous and. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get, you know, that's, I, I guess, why they call it the Coral Castle and yeah. it being in Florida. Let's start talking a little bit about just like the beginnings of the mystique surrounding this. Well, so he, once he moved to Homestead is when he named it uh, Rock Gate. And I did that because of this massive gate on the property, which is over nine tons. And it can like sort of swing open. We'll include a bunch of pictures because you really do kind of have to see it. See mm-hmm. it. And, and everything that I've looked into, you know, it's always remarked as like, none of these pictures really do this place justice. Like you kind of have to see it in person. So we definitely got to get a trip down there because it sounds yeah. and looks amazing. But yeah, he's, you know, this little dude and he just starts starts building away. One thing that I, I should note as well is is that Ed would, would move you know, all this stuff, you know, the 10 miles down the road, he had like an old Republic truck where he sort of laid two rails on. And he had a friend in the air that would, uh, that would let him use his tractor and sort of transport everything onto this old truck that he would drive it and then go back and forth, back and forth. There's a lot of mystery into this story just in general, but it, it's, it's kind of fascinating where even his friends they never really saw him doing any of the sort of the heavy lifting, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so even even down to like that, even down to like lifting these giant pieces onto the truck, nobody ever, you know, th- they never saw him do that at all. Yeah. I mean, and just to remind you, uh, <clears throat> just to remind our audience here, we're talking about like this is a structure or a series of structures in this mm-hmm. little attraction that he's built that is... Um, made of, you know, around or, you know, a little bit over a thousand blocks uh, of this stone. We're talking like hundreds of tons. Yeah. No, 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 no. We're talking a little under 1,100 tons. Jeez Louise. Which is a lot of tons. Yeah. I mean, that's a ton of tons? It is a ton of tons, yeah. (laughs) But like... The main mystery here, and and you were kind of alluding to it, is like not only did nobody really witness him sort of, Mm-mm. you know, transporting or building this thing, but also like no one witnessed this guy um, whenever he like quarried it. Yeah, right? yeah. So so that was one of the things, and I think, um, well, let me say this before we even really get into it: is this is one of those those sort of cases, those sort of, you know, mysteries or urban legends or whatever that on the one hand is kind of an anomaly because unlike all, you know, most other urban legends or all that, it's like, oh, there was this this little guy from Latvia and it's it said that he built this, da 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 It's like, no, 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 we have every bit of this to see. You know, you can see the example of all of his, his life's work. Right. And so... You know, you have that, but then on the flip side of that, this is because of that situation, which I think it sort of speaks to, I don't know, in a way it kind of speaks to like just that sort of natural kind of 
super skeptic or debunker is like they're they're so like everything you see about this case is like solved, debunked. We figured it out. We figured out how this hundred pound guy who's under five foot tall with tuberculosis, we figured out how he's moved almost 1,100 tons. And not right. just one time, but built it and then moved it from one location 10 miles down the road. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I don't know, man. It, come on, you know? Yeah. And so it really did kind of make me think of, you know, because we have the physical sort of quote-unquote proof of what he's done, you know, it would just be the same thing if we, if we suddenly discovered the body of a Bigfoot or, you know what I mean? I don't know. It really, like, speaks to it. Like, it, it's almost hard to find things on this, especially if, you you know, you go to, like, YouTube or mm-hmm. anywhere else. There's so many videos right off the bat. It's, like, solved, debunked, uh, yeah. hoax. It's like, hoax? What are you talking about? So, well, and, and so back to your point, like, the, you know, 1,100 tons of this rock, it was all quarried from nearby, you know, on his property and like around right. the area. So we're talking about uh, the oolite limestone, which is basically bedrock. So basically, mm-hmm. you, you know, you dig down, 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 and then you hit the bedrock, which in this particular area I looked, it goes 14,000 feet down. So we're talking rock that is like solidly connected for 14,000 feet below. So just kind of wrapping your head around that to me is is like really impressive. Like even, even you know, put all like the building and the, the carving without leaving really any score marks or like the, you know, carving shapes and crescent moons and like a telescope and a water wheel and all this like really impressive stuff. Take all that aside, just the, just the, the idea of like coring it and being able to like separate that from, you know, well, just the time that it takes to make one of those blocks. You know, I, I kind of looked into it a little bit and even just that alone is such a undertaking. Like, yes. Yeah, such an undertaking for one person to do. So like, yeah. even though there are skeptics or, or, you know, um, I guess some folks who have seen, some ways that he was able to like lift heavy stuff and everything like that, that's fine. But like take all the sort of mystique away from it for just a second. Mm-hmm. And even still, it's it's crazy. I mean, like, you know, there are all kinds of just super interesting things that he built within this thing. Like I, I read about like this sundial that tells time within two minutes of accuracy. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's just... <sighs> yeah, so a lot of the things... So, you know, we have... We have the gate, which was sort of the the big feature. And this thing is nine tons. What is that in pounds? Do you know what that is? So it's 18,000 pounds. Yeah. So just the gate itself is 18,000 pounds. And it's, it's this thing that if the, well, up until 1986, but I'll get into, into that in a second. It's, it's like perfectly balanced of like a little counterbalance on the bottom. So... It's this giant stone that kind of comes to somewhat of a point at the bottom, and it acts as a gate. So, you know, two people can walk through on each side, and then you turn it around, and it it fills in, like, the full width of, you know, like the opening, mm-hmm. like the gate opening. And so, I mean, this is, I mean, just that alone is kind of like a, a marvel in the sense mm-hmm. of, you know, something that massive 
and that, uh, you know, expertly built that it was said that like a strong breeze could blow it or even, you know, a three or four year old kid could move it with a finger. Right. Uh, which is just fascinating. And so one of the things that a lot of the debunkers kind of say, and, I, and I'll be kind of going back and forth with this throughout the episode, but a lot of the, the things they say is, well, we've seen, um, you know, there's photos of his tools, it, it, but that doesn't, that still doesn't account for the fact that, again, yes, he, he, we see pulleys, we see like all these kind of tools and, and all that. But at the same time, he, he didn't have any electrical tools. The, the most sort of high tech piece of equipment he had was when his friend would let him borrow his, his tractor, you know, and that wasn't right. even for any sort of excavation. That was just basically to move things around and mainly that was used in the in the beginning, you know, when he was moving it from the one location to to the second location. Mm-hmm. A lot of the debunkers are also going to say, well, he worked in lumber camps when he was still in Latvia, and he came from a family of stone stonemasons. So obviously he had the knowledge and knew how to do it, but it still doesn't make up for the fact of one little child-sized man being able to do, you know, move and manipulate 1,100 tons of uh, of bedrock. Yeah. I mean, again, I kind of saw some of that stuff too in terms of like, oh, this part solved. And it's yeah, like, even it's if everywhere. there's like a single part, it still leaves so much. Like, could the guy have been like an engineering genius mm-hmm. who was an expert in physics that knew how to counterbalance certain things so that all that could happen? I mean, maybe, mm-hmm. you know. But also, how did he quarry all that rock and then win, you know? And, and and by the way, this is a guy who, up until I think he died, would actually physically be there. Every greeting, time. Yeah, every day, mm-hmm. greeting visitors, like handing out pamphlets. And yeah. like, I mean, it's just really, really cool. Yeah, he was he was a guy that had a really great pride in in doing this. And I mean, you kind of think it's 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 a pretty tragic story, you know, if this all true, there there are some folks that say that some of the stuff with his, you know, 16 year old love doesn't quite add up. And there wasn't, you know, he didn't have a lost love. And that the whole term sweet 16, which by the way, Clay, if you're listening, here's your synchronicity for your wonderful kiddo just turning 16. That's awesome. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. But he called it like his sweet 16. And apparently that was a lot of folks think that that was more of like a like a code hmm. or sort of like his ideals. It's kind of blurry a little bit, but, you know, some of the there's a lot of folks that, that say that there's sort of a interchangeability between this story of his lost love and then it being like his the actual girl and then it being mm-hmm. like this sort of coded kind of thing like he was. He was sort of known for writing and like, you know, printing up these pamphlets, like you mentioned. Uh, He had one that was called A Book in Every Home, which were, you know, basically his thoughts on the Sweet 16 kind of deal, Mm -hmm. Uh, domestic and political views. Um, And then he read a hilarious quote from that one. Oh, I know what you're going to say. Yeah. He basically, no, this is just amazing. And it's just kind of, it's a sign of the times, really. Oh, yeah. uh, Of how what would be considered crazy back then or intense. So he says uh, in that in that uh, pamphlet, a book in every home, he says, quote, the schools and the churches are cheapening the girls. Mm-hmm. They are arranging picnics 
they're coupling up the girls with the fresh boys. And then they send them out to the woods, parks, beaches, and other places so that they can practice in first-degree first lovemaking. Yeah. And by the way, if I was going to major... Well, never... Okay, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It was definitely a, a sign of the times, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, and also that coupled with, you know, him being from Latvia, and I'm sure, like, maybe the English, there's a little bit of... Yeah, there might be some lost in translation. A little bit stuff. lost in translation. And I mean, Latvia, honestly, too, it's it's kind of close to in the news these days uh, because of where it's located in Eastern Europe. Um, so hopefully everybody there, if you're listening from Latvia, uh, I hope you're safe. Um, yeah. Um, I think this is kind of a great place for us to kind of go into some of the theories on on how or, or what people think about like how he was able to do it all. So can, can I... Can I yeah, get in a little there. bit. Get in there. Because here's the thing, all right? You, you got to go back in time. You've got this, like, okay, this guy moved down to Florida. Now, this is before ever the snowbirds were, you know, flocking to, to mm-hmm. Florida. You got a guy, he's an immigrant. He moves down to Florida. He moves into this neighborhood. Apparently, he's single. And he just keeps to himself a little bit. And he's just tinkering away. Oh, yeah. And then all of a sudden, this humongous structure, people are going to be like, now, this dude is weird. Yeah. Right. And so I'm sure that the just the, la- you know, the theories about what was going on over there were just sky high. Mm-hmm. But some of the stuff that I read about was actually, I mean, it's actually pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. And so after these messages, we'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. America's future can be determined by our dreams and our visions. It was very intense For over 200 years, there have been reports of giant man-like creatures. From another dimension, another world, I don't know. The most intriguing mystery on the North American continent. Hey, this is Bryce Johnson from the Bigfoot Collectors Club, and you're listening to Tyler and Woody on That Would Be Rad, because that is rad. All right, so here are some of the theories. First, and now this one I thought just out of the gate is one of my favorites. Some of the curious sort of neighbors, again, they're not really trusting this guy. They're like, I wonder what's going on. Hey, I wonder what's going on, Woody. Mm -hmm. You know, they go over there late at night, and they reportedly witness him placing both palms on a block of stone. Yeah. And then he started to sing. Yeah. And... Another report said that when he started to sing, the rock started levitating and he pushed it. He just like kind of moved it over mm-hmm. with ease. 
Yeah, it's it's also said that uh, some people would claim to hear like a humming sound. Other people would also claim around that time, you know, some of the locals, they would also mm-hmm. claim to hear uh, what sounded like incantations, they would say, mm-hmm. in, in uh, what sounded to be Latin. So there's a lot of sort of, th- this is kind of where the mystery comes. Yeah. Um, this, is, this is when it starts to begin to, people start to fill in the gaps, right? We can't figure out how it was done. Mm-hmm. And so this is this is the beginning of the part that I'm like, oh yeah, now we're talking. Mm-hmm. And, and also, like I said before, you know, when his buddy would come over with the truck and the trailer or whatever, he would always kind of find something to have, you know, his buddy or anybody that would come to kind of help. He was all he would always have them go do something else, mm-hmm. and then any then you know they would show back up, and it's like, oh, um, wait a second, this yeah, there's this five ton, you know, giant boulder on the on the truck like yeah there, what just there was, happened here there was some story that i read where he had somebody that showed up with a tractor mm-hmm. and he's like hey man just you know pull it around over there and the guy's like uh okay well i don't and he's like just tr- you know pull it around and he goes to where he's supposed to pick it up mm-hmm. and this dude's already moved a ton of the rock that wasn't there before like he, he already i think the guy that was bringing the tractor already went to where he was supposed to go or something and then like came and talked to Ed and was like hey Ed man all that stuff needs to be moved you want me to he's like no no no, I got it and by the time the tractor went to the other side it was already like done yeah exactly and and so one of the other theories that folks had about it was that he may have some sort of you know hidden telekinetic powers Mm -hmm. Uh, and again folks I get it right especially if you're somebody that really kind of believes that, you know, there's probably some sort of engineering scientific explanation for this. Mm -hmm. I get it. It's also cool. It's also like an incredible testament to like this dude's patience and work ethic. Oh, 100%. Even if it was just like simple pulleys and physics, you know, Uh, because physics really is like an interesting science and it's really really cool yeah it's magic but like you know that's not what this podcast is about (laughs) all right this isn't the podcast you pop in after you take your uh, physics 101 lecture Mm -hmm. just to hear a little more right this Mm -hmm. is we're going to explore all the rad theories yeah about potentially something simple but maybe he's like professor x and he can move these blocks with his mind and that's pretty freaking awesome well he was also about as tall as professor x when when Professor Easy X was, now. was yeah. in his wheelchair. Right. right. Um, yeah, the the thing, too, is, like, people would would report seeing, you know, the move of, like, these giant carvings moving along, like, the South Dixie Highway or whatever. Um, but they would never see, they would never see anything, you know, being moved in the place. So every bit of work that he would do was always done at night by lantern light. Mm. Um, he just had to have you know, this privacy, Mm -hmm. uh, which is also really sort of interesting. Mm -hmm. It also is said, which I thought this was really cool, that he would build like, or he built several lookouts like along the castle walls. So like a little place where he could, you know, if he heard somebody around, he would, he would, he was able to like run up like a couple like little stones in the wall so that he could look over or like little holes where he could look inside. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, Now help me out real quick. Does this guy live here too? Does he live like on the grounds or is it just kind of like... No, no, no. I, I think he does. 
Um, I don't actually, I don't know if it ever says, but I mean, it's definitely his properties. Okay, so maybe he does live on the property? I Yeah, I think so. I think that's fair. So in 1940 is when Ed would finish putting up all the walls around the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, the walls, it is said, weigh 125 pounds per cubic foot. Uh, each section of wall is eight feet tall, four foot wide, three feet thick, and weighs more than 5.8 tons. Dang. I love this is like one of the coolest things. So when questioned on how he would move, you know, the giant blocks, Ed would, he had two answers. He would reply that uh, he understood the weight or the laws of weight and leverage. Mm-hmm. Or, or he would also say, I understand how they built the the pyramids, mm-hmm. uh, which is something that's super fascinating. And I, I kind of do think that this, if I'm being honest with everybody, I think that I kind of believe that it probably is the same thing. Mm. Like, however they're doing this. I mean, you look at the pyramids and they're the most like, you know, such laser precision and like things are placed perfectly. And it's like for so long, it's like the whole, oh, well, there were just millions of slaves. And it's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, okay. But also, how are they doing this with like, such a precision that even modern laser precision is is still not up to the same level. Of- yeah, it's funny that you bring up the pyramids mm-hmm. because that's the first thing I kind of thought of too once I started reading more about this guy and mm-hmm. the castle itself. You know, because sometimes you think, oh, well, there's something weird on the side of the road, attraction or whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But once you start figuring out like, oh, no, it was made by one guy. Yeah. Right. Then the first thing I thought of was like, oh man, you know, engineering marvels like the pyramids. Um, right. And, and, and I did read that. There's like a quote that when um, when asked about it where he would say, quote, I have discovered the secrets of the pyramids mm-hmm. and have found out how the Egyptians and the ancient builders in Peru, Yucatan, and Asia with only primitive tools raised and set in place blocks of stone weighing many tons. Yeah. Now, even if that is the only truth here, Mm-hmm. still amazing he found it out because like you said man we still there's and i mean dude if we let, let's get into those in just a minute but like there are some insane theories about the pyramids mm-hmm. um but before we did that dude i wanted to i don't know if you i'm sure you did but one of the other really cool theories about how he was able to do this involves like these energy fields yeah um are you talking about like the ley line kind of yeah so it's like the uh telluric yeah, energy, telluric energy, yeah. So, like, apparently whenever you go and visit, some of the folks that have gone have kind of complained about, like, weird headaches or just kind of feeling, like, weird once they are kind of standing close to or within the archway of that gate. Mm-hmm. Um, they've had some folks kind of come out there and, and try to make sense of it and stuff. And some of the, the data that they've kind of gathered in these investigations and stuff have led to, you know, some conclusions at least. Uh, At key points in the site, this telluric energy apparently like kind of fluctuates. Now, if you're like me, I had no idea what the heck telluric energy or anything was, and so I had to look it up. Mm -hmm. And I'm not the biggest fan of Wikipedia, so I didn't use Wikipedia. I actually found an Encyclopedia Britannica that talked Mm -hmm. about it. So telluric current is also called earth current. And it's a natural electric current flowing on and beneath the surface of the Earth mm-hmm. and generally follows a direction parallel to the Earth's surface. All right. Mm-hmm. Telluric currents arise from charges moving to attain equilibrium between regions of 
differing electric potentials. Now we're starting to get real scientific, but basically there's a lot of things in biology and chemistry and everything. Essentially, in biology and chemistry and even physics, everything is trying to move toward equal, right? And even math is like this for all of you algebra lovers out there. Mm -hmm. You can't have more on one side of the equal sign. Everything has to be the same on both sides. And that's how you solve an equation and all that. Well, naturally, the earth and, and, and phenomenon in earth, they're always trying to move towards that equilibrium. So I just say that to say that these currents, if they move at all, it's because one side or another side is sort of out of, out of balance, okay? Mm-hmm. So we won't dive too far into, like, into the geophysics of where they come from and all that, but essentially they're often used by geophysics to map subsurface structures such mm-hmm. as sedimentary basins, hello, mm-hmm. layered rocks, and faults, and that kind of thing. Right. So basically what people are trying to say potentially is that maybe Ed designed and constructed this whole site specifically above this convergence of an energy sort of ley line. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Where they kind of like intersect and he maybe knew that the effects of of this intersection could form mm-hmm. some sort of anti-gravity you know, using essentially the natural magnetism of the earth to mm-hmm. help with his work. Well, and what's fascinating with that is if you really get into ley lines and and I mean, I get it. A lot of it is sort of converge into sort of new ageyness, but a lot of these sort of ley lines are, uh, you know, the pyramids would land on it. We're talking about the Giza pyramids, right, in Egypt? Yeah, yeah, the Giza okay. pyramids, but then also like uh, like the Puma Punku, mm. or I think I'm saying that right. But all these other mounds and uh, sort of religious sites around the world, they they kind of follow along the same line, which is mm. or, or lines. You know, they're they're sort of intersecting lines, like you know the old school sort of globe you would see, where like the '80s style, where it has like the grid around it. Mm-hmm. It's like imagine them like that, and so and then there's also some thought where they believe that these these converge points, the converging points, could be where these you know the quote unquote window areas, the John Keel sort of window mm-hmm. areas, where you know maybe the veil's a little thinner, maybe that's where you see cryptids. Oh, man, and, wow! So there there might be some sort of correlation there, right? Yeah. Holy smokes! Yeah, dude. it's really interesting. And also, what's cool is talking about like the telluric energy energy and like those lines is. From this point, this particular line would travel down through like Bimini Row, which is the Bermuda Triangle, mm, which is kind man. of interesting, you know. So, you know, they say that he basically, well, it's proposed that he possibly could have been using uh, reverse magnetism to do this. Hmm. And so if he's using some sort of tool or some sort of method of of kind of flipping that, then then maybe that, that's the same thing that's in the Bermuda Triangle that's pulling these planes down. Man. You know, yeah. if, if yeah. you're looking at it, you know, magnetically. Sure. It's pretty fascinating, though. Yeah, I mean, no, dude, that's really fascinating. Yeah. I mean, it all kind of got me thinking about all of the pyramid theories, and there's some, I mean, I feel like we're going to have to at some point do oh, yeah. an episode on them, but, like, I at least want to kind of, like, the main two, the main sort of, like, I would say widely accepted non- fringe, I guess, are the ramp theory and the water shaft theory. Mm-hmm. In short, 
you know, they're saying that like with those millions of slaves and stuff that they were able to essentially use a ramp and some, um, I know what you're what, talking what about. I thinking of, you know, and they just, they, they basically they pulling it. these pieces up this ramp to get to yeah. the top and that kind of thing. There's also like a water shaft theory where they use the water to transport the stones and stuff and yada, yada, yada. Those, that's fine. And, you know, you look into those kind of things and it's, it, it makes sense, but they're less interesting to me. What's really interesting to me though, and especially because you were talking about those ley lines being over there, and I really want to kind of dive into that and the correlation of like where those things happen as well as, um, you know, potential portals or mm-hmm. thinness in the veil is one of the theories about the pyramids is that they're actually gigantic ancient mm-hmm. Power plants. Yeah, they're, they're almost like a battery, basically. Right. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, it's really wow. cool. Like you were saying, there's, I guess it wouldn't be a, a sundial, but like, you know, from the, the pyramids, not all of them, but like, you know, it, it's kind of one of those things where all the stars line up and, you know, so they definitely had some sort of knowledge of aligning with stars and and the night sky and that whole, you know, constellations and stuff. And he had this too. He has... Apparently on the property, he has two, they're called like the two monoliths and they're 25 feet tall and the largest one weighs 30 tons and it's basically just standing up straight. And it's kind of one of those things where like it can be aligned, like there's a circle in the middle, uh, similar to like the Georgia Guidestones where on like the equinox or whatever, it perfectly aligns with like your constellations and stuff. Man. Which is really, it's always been really interesting to me too. I mean, the dude just had such a knowledge for, I mean, physics, mm-hmm. you know, no matter what. Yeah. Um, potential ancient, I, I guess, abilities to be able to do things like this. And mm-hmm. then also astronomy. Yeah. One thing also that somewhat is kind of sort of related to like the debunking is apparently he had built an AC current generator, which you can actually still see today. And they say that... Mm. Oh, well, this this explains it. It's like, okay, even that doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, it's it's impressive and it's fascinating, especially for a guy who, like I said before, he only had a fourth grade education. But, you know, there's there's no records or witnesses that that ever saw again, you know, that ever saw him putting any of this to to use, you know. And doing all this stuff by lantern light, you know, I mean, like, can you imagine trying to build a a monolith that weighs that much just you know yeah by the lantern light yeah yeah I, I i it just it's 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 just so impressive for sure here's a couple like here here are other two other things that i thought were like kind of interesting that made me kind of think like again this is more like supportive of sort of like maybe he got his knowledge from someone else meaning mm-hmm. Not of this earth, so mm-hmm. maybe potential uh, a different dimension or an extraterrestrial. Yeah. He basically at some point claimed to have had a dream of being like somewhere in the Southwest U.S. and having these sky people land in a UFO. Mm-hmm. And then years later when he was actually like visiting the Southwest, he said he saw the, the same sort of images that he'd seen in his dream. Mm-hmm. And his... Apparently his grandfather, who had traveled extensively in Honduras and Tahiti, had also given Ed a book about the Mayans and their relation to to the ancient astronaut theory. Um, 
So I wonder had if that, some interest there. I wonder if that ties into, or that's that's where you got some of the information about like the ley lines and telluric mm-hmm. currents mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, to add to that, when he landed in New York, um, when he first immigrated here, it's said that around that time, which it does add up, that Nikola Tesla was living had an apartment in New York at the time. And it said, and there's witness testimony that he actually met with him right when he arrived in New York. And so I've, that, to me, that is just so fascinating. And it's so cool to think of like, you know, Nikola Tesla was a genius. He, he was absolutely brilliant. He clearly had his finger on the pulse of, no pun intended, but the pulse of these sort of alternative means of energy and, mm-hmm. you know, propulsion. And, mm-hmm. and so he... I believe that he, him and Ed were probably right on the same page with a I mean, lot of this stuff. Like, think about it this way. You're in, how does one get a face-to-face appointment with... <laughs> Nikola Tesla? Yeah. Yeah, I don't... I mean, now I'm starting to lean towards, like, maybe there's some sort of, like, here we go. Mm. Well, well... Society. Oh, now you're talking. That there was, like, you know, and, and so, in other words, like, like you a don't ninja just type arrive thing? in New York and you're like, I don't know, I think I'll call on old uh, Tesla today and mm-hmm. knock on his door and see what he's up to. This is a complete stranger, yeah. right? So, like, how does he track him down? How does he figure that out? Well, if they were part of the same sort of, like, quote-unquote fraternity or something like that. Man, that's cool. Boom. Or, or, maybe or, the, or no way. They met, they met at, like, the fraternity meeting in New York. Or he was sort of grandfathered in, no pun intended, mm-hmm. by his grandfather who— knew all this stuff, had all this information. So maybe that's how Ed was brought over, brought in. Mm-hmm. It's pretty fascinating. Man. One thing that, that was cool too, and I cannot remember if, I think this was when he was at the first location and he decided to move. It was said that, you know, he was asked, well, where are you going to move? Well, you know, like, where are you thinking about moving this stuff? And he said, the earth will tell me. Mm-hmm. And so... This idea of sort of following this like ley line and, um, you know, I, I don't know enough about it to mm-hmm. sort of come up with with an idea. But I, at least visually, mentally, I just picture some sort of kind of how dowsing works. Yeah, um, that's what I was just about to add. Dude, I'm so glad you remembered the word because I was thinking in my head, man, what's that called? How you find water? Hi. Hi, man. <laughs> uh, but I just... Again, I don't know if it's how you would do it, but I just I picture him. Oh well, and he didn't have a car either. He would ride his bike to the you know in town to get groceries or whatever, which was like almost four miles. So I just I just picture this dude on his bike, you know, with like a dowsing rod holding mm-hmm. it, and uh, just being like, "Oh, this is this is the place." Yeah, and just in case, again, listener, if you're not super familiar with like what dowsing is. Um, it's essentially where, you know, it's like like you use this like special rod or whatever to locate water, but sometimes it's also used for like treasure, oil or mm-hmm. whatever. And there's people that are almost physically sensitive to these, you know, I guess currents or whatever you want to call them mm-hmm. from within like the earth, whether it's magnetic or telluric or whatever, yeah. that end up being these dowsers or whatever. There are, of course... Some throughout history, they're like charlatans or whatever. They're just like, yeah, I can. F- hey, man, I can find that for you. <laughs> yeah. Let me just, yeah. you know, 
just you got to pay me, you know, well, the, the, the cost is $150. Yeah. You just got to pay me 75 now, and then and then they would just disappear. Well, now they're to, to, to yes, definitely, for sure, there was that. But they're, uh, so my dad was able to do it, which at the time I wasn't impressed as a young kid as much as I, you know, would be now. But I, yeah, I, I think that water, magnetism, alert currents, I think a lot of this stuff is probably all tied together. One of the things, too, that was said about, you know, how he possibly could have done it was something about, like, it's kind of, like, hard to find, but, I, and I can't really, it, I can't really, like, I, I don't know enough about it to go, but it was something about, like, sort of lunar manipulation and mm-hmm. something tied in with the, like, his well. And again, this it's funny that we're talking about dowsers and water witches and all that kind of thing, because it kind of ties into that sort of, like the farmer's almanac and like, mm-hmm. you know, like folk magic or granny yeah. magic or that kind of thing. Because, you know, basically throughout the month, the moon is sort of the the arbiter or the master of the magnetism. And so that's mm-hmm. how, that's a very intense way of saying it. But that it's, you know, it would, it would affect like the way metals and water, you know, rise and lower i guess yeah it affects the tides directly (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, like the tides and stuff so something about this pool that he had or this well is there was something about like the the way the water would would rise you know at a certain portion of the month and it was i don't know it was tied into like some other stuff and and i think he even said something about like magnetism and and the moon I, I found that kind of interesting too. Like, mm. I mean, if you are looking at, you know, like we said before, he he wrote all these pamphlets, and one of the pamphlets was literally, you know, titled "Magnetic Current." So he was clearly into this idea of like magnetics, and you know, people saying that he used reverse magnetism to move things. Well, magnetism is directly tied to the moon, so mm-hmm. that I mean, could, there's like a certain time of the. Yeah, and he only worked at night too. So, like, mm. I don't know. I, I to me, I don't know how that. I works. mean, it's hard for me. As cool as it all is, and to be, and, and I'm open to it all. <clears throat> it's also, it's you know, I, if I'm going to put like my skeptic hat on for a second, mm-hmm. I mean, how much magnetism does like a yeah this limestone have? You know, I don't know. Yeah, I really love the ideas uh, about like using sound. Um, yeah, see that as a mean like different frequencies yeah can can do some really remarkable things. There's some cool like physical reactions that I forget what it's called, man. You would know this. The sub uh not sublingual, but like subsonic like frequencies. Subsonic frequencies and stuff that we can't hear, mm-hmm. but that still can have physical reaction oh, yeah. to stuff. And, yeah. and I mean, God, have you seen those videos where people will play a, a song or like a, a series of notes or whatever mm-hmm. and whatever the material is on top of oh yeah the like the surface of this like speaker essentially mm-hmm. it will move and do all these like weird things and they can make it into different shapes and stuff i yeah. mean it is insane yeah that, so, that's called cymatics and it's it's fascinating and so if whatever he was doing maybe he was somehow using this AC current generator, maybe that was... So I always thought that uh, before we discussed like getting into the story and and having an episode on it, I had always sort of thought that it was sort of a sound-based thing, like less about 
magnetism and all that. But I mean, maybe they're maybe they're tied together. But I always yeah. did assume that there was something with sound and. It is interesting because in his belongings after he passed away, there was a... French horn. <laughs> no, but there was a large tuning fork. Mm. He, he wasn't known to play any instruments, but it is interesting that he has a tuning fork. We have these urban legends of the kids hearing like humming sounds or mm. chanting or, or incantations being being sang or, or repeated in Latin. Yeah, it could be a lot of stuff. Like... It really could. I mean, you even think of like the pyramids and, you know, it's like they're always holding like the ankh, which is like, is that a tuning fork? Hmm. And it's just different looking than the ones that we would use, you know? Yeah. It's um, always bizarre to me, man. Whenever I think about things like the pyramids or even stuff like this, like when there are these like incredible feats of science in a time when everything else is so primitive you know, it's just that yeah. man. It's just so f- hard for me to like wrap my mind around sometimes. When I'm like, it. You know, it makes it harder to really just kind of accept that there was no sort of outside influence. You know, it's like you can build these insane pyramids, you know, but you're still using like uh, a handheld uh, horsetail fan. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like right. to cool yourself. Well, I don't. I don't know. It's just, it's just wild, man. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's like that pre-electricity engineering just, is just baffling. Well, and again, that I mean, that's that was Tesla's whole thing. It was this mm-hmm. idea of like this, you know, energy or that was sort of available to everyone. And big oil came along and automobiles came along and it kind of squashed all that that stuff. So it's almost like we... It's almost like that that era and that time that you're talking about... It's like everybody had much more sort of open minds, but then it was like, oh no, 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 no! Everything has to be this. It has to be done with through you know batteries. It has to be done with gasoline and fossil fuels, and this is the only way that you can do things. And I feel like a lot of those sort of alternative and you know, I mean, you would be looked at as like a crazy conspiracy theory, but or conspiracy theorist. But all those things were were kind of left left behind a little bit, I feel, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So one of the things that I was talking about at the top is like, you know, the original namesake, the Rock Gate Park was sort of based on the feature of that giant, you know, nine and a half ton gate that would turn with a push of a finger. Apparently, and this is one of the things that sort of leads the debunkers, but, you know, it was this thing that was perfectly balanced, you know, on this axis and it lasted, you know, for decades Apparently, it stopped working in 1986, and the only way that they were able to remove it was with six men and a 50-short-ton crane. Jeez. Yeah, once the gate was removed, the engineers were able to see that he basically had drilled a hole from the top of the bottom of the stone, which to me, that's that continues awesome. to be yeah. impressive. Mm-hmm. He ins- he had like a metal shaft inserted through the middle of this thing. The rock was resting on, or the gate was resting on an old truck bearing. And that bearing, that old like, you know, truck bearing had rusted and was wearing out. And that's why, you know. So it's it's funny and it's interesting to me that the one thing that stopped this, you know, modern marvel from moving was the one piece of modern machinery yeah, that rusted and wore out, you know? Jeez, man. Yeah. 
they uh, they put it back into place at the end of the end of the year in uh, 1986, and it lasted until 2005, and it sort of stopped moving again, and it was repaired, uh, but it never it never rotated with the same perfect precision as it did when when he built it. Man. Which is awesome. Interesting, yeah. And so, I mean, I guess um, he, I guess, passed away, never never married, never had kids. And, yeah. You yeah. Know, aside from just the, the tragedy that uh, a brilliant mind uh, potentially passed away, also with him went the secret. Yeah, I believe so. I, you know, as tragic as it was, it, it really sort of, if you, you know, if that is the truth, which I kind of believe, I like to believe that it was. It's almost like he he sort of traded one love for the other love, and that lifetime you know love of his life was the Coral Castle. Apparently, in 1958, Ed became ill. He put a sign on the door saying, "Going to the hospital." He took a bus to Jackson Memorial in Miami and died three days later in his sleep at the age of 64. Damn. Yeah, it would later go on to his nephew who lived in Michigan. He ended up selling it before he died in 1953, to a family from Illinois. During the switch in the ownership, a box of Ed's personal effects were found, it says, uh, containing a set of instructions that led to the, the discovery of 35 $100 bills, which were his, which was his life savings. Man. And he basically made every bit of that by asking, if you didn't have any money, you didn't have to pay anything to see the castle. But if you did, he would ask a donation of 25 cents all the way up until when he died. Jeez, man. And so his lifetime... What a cool thing. Yeah, it's amazing. And it's kind of sad now that, you know, because now I think it's it's 18 bucks per person to get mm-hmm. in and see it, which, I mean, it is what it is, but... Yeah, because I'm sure they have to kind of... I mean, they have... Like upkeep work and, there and stuff, and I guess. And, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, one of the things that's that's really cool, I think, is, you know, around like the 40s and the 50s, it really kind of became just another piece on, you know, the Great American Road Trip, which was sort of developed, you know, when automobiles and Route 66 mm-hmm. and and all that. And that's the stuff that I I just, I love that. There's such a romanticized, yeah. like, American idea of mm-hmm. let's get the family up and let's go see all, you know, the biggest ball of twine. And, yeah, you know, like the Coral Castle sits with Gatorland in Florida, which is in Kissimmee, uh, Florida, the Mermaids of Wachi, which... That's another one that's been around since 1947 where these these mermaids kind of like come, they, you know, they, they're able to breathe through these tubes and then they hold their breath and they come down. And I mean, you've seen it, you know, but I just love that. There's like the world's largest alligator, which is called Swampy. There's a monkey jungle. There's dinosaur world. Mm. And uh, so it just it's kind of that Neil Gaiman, American Gods, if you've read it, it mm-hmm. uh it's that like roadside attraction, you know, that kind of it kind of disappears because people just stop caring about it, you know. Yeah. Now that they have their phones you know, in front of them. But it's really cool. This is a really cool place. It's amazing. What's interesting is it kind of in a way, especially like if if we think maybe either he was part of some secret society or mm. potentially had some sort of knowledge um, from a different time mm-hmm. or place kind of goes into something that I'm going to talk about in a couple of weeks. Mm. I'm super excited. I'm keeping it a secret from you because I just want to, you know. Okay, okay. I think you're going to like it. I love it. So, yeah, that's the story of Edward Leeds Scallon, the builder of uh, 
his lifetime love, Coral Castle. That's awesome, man. Pretty awesome. I love it. So we just spent about an hour telling you that we have also have no idea how he did this. Yeah, right. <laughs> but hey, man, we like these unsolved. Oh yeah, dude. Rad mysteries. Yeah. No, I love it, man. I love it. And, and you know, hey, makes me want to um, makes me want to head down there and also kind of mm-hmm. discover some of these kind of things. In our own area, we've got some that we'll talk yeah. about too sometime. We'll kind of take this show on the road. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's one that. Um, no, not now. Okay. Not now. Well, I got we'll, we'll save it. I gotta go, pal. <laughs> yeah. What I was gonna say is, uh, you know, I'm I'm super interested in hearing listeners what your kind of take is on it. Um, but not only this, but also you know the theories about the pyramids. If you want to dive in that direction, mm-hmm. but especially like if you truly are. Uh, somebody that is super skeptical about this kind of stuff. And if even just bringing up the pyramids makes you cringe, hey, man, I'm also equally interested in hearing your take on oh, the yeah. true, like the scientific view of it all. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. I love that kind of stuff. I'm equally interested in that. Oh, so yeah. if you have a, a, a broader knowledge than I do or that Tyler does, you know, gosh, don't be afraid to reach out. This isn't us trying to get in an argument with you. I want to hear about it, mm-hmm. you know. So some of the best places to do that would be where, Tyler? Well, the best place to do that would be Instagram. Uh, leave us a comment. If you have something a little more in-depth that you want to talk about, shoot us a DM or hit us up at that would be radpod at gmail.com. Feel free to send us voice memos, essays, long-form stories of urban legends in your area, whatever. We love it. We love it mm-hmm. all. Also, be sure, I know Spotify now, you can do it. Go leave us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple or really any podcatcher. We had a really cool review recently, and it just makes our day. Yeah, it really does. Mm-hmm. Well, and especially whenever they, like, a five-star review is awesome. And those stacking up just make our day as well. But when someone also takes the extra time exactly. to kind of like talk about why they love the show. Yeah. Dude, it's amazing. And guys, I know I kind of teased this last episode, but we do have some extremely huge things coming up for the podcast. It's going to make all of this a lot easier and then just some exciting stuff. So stay tuned. We'll tell you about it shortly, but we just want to make sure everything's good to go before we do. Well, I guess that about does it. Mm-hmm. So, we love you, we appreciate you, and as always, be rad. That's the way it
to build a monolisk mm-hmm. or basilisk what did you say monolith a monolith a monolith <laughs> hey side note uh okay i got these new this is gonna be taken out too i got these new underwear we'll see so that i am singing their praises dude I mean, next you're going to tell me that you got some new like orthopedic shoes. Uh, This is like getting, this is getting, first it was like, I got these new house slippers. (laughs) No, no. Now, literally it's. I'm like, it takes a minute to get used to just the two Velcro straps instead of the the tie, you know, or the string. No, I'm being dead serious. They're like the most amazing. So I've been, like for the last several years, I've like like gone back and forth so you know we used to have like super skinny jeans and it was always like underwear Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then like i would sleep in boxers because like nobody wants to sleep in underwear because it's uncomfortable and then uh uncomfortable is it very uncomfortable Uh, and i learned that from my camustry teacher and uh and none of this is going to be like on air anyway right i mean okay (laughs) no i don't want to be talking about underwear because it gets a little intimate here well, I don't want to hear intimate details, man. Just, you, you got, got a new pair of underwear, cool. No, they're. Vi- I'm excited for you, dude. Dude, they're real. amazing. Very excited. So, hey, man, excited. For <laughs> I've gone back and forth. I don't like. I like boxer briefs, but they're just like uncomfortable. Everything's all How bunched up. Story? How is this story still going? I randomly was talking about this with with somebody like Johnny, or I guess it would have had to be Johnny. And uh, next thing I know, I hop on Instagram and Big Brother supplies as he always does this random mm-hmm. ad for these boxer briefs called uh separatech and it mm-hmm. sounds like super bizarre but like i know what this is this is where it it separates the elephant trunk yeah. from the from the tusks mm-hmm. <laughs> dude it's amazing it literally doesn't feel like you have anything on okay 
Okay, dude, let's get rolling, man. And then the, the sheath comes over. <laughs> hey, man, that is really cool. Man, I'm telling you. Dude, I'm, I'm on dead Instagram serious. And these orthopedic shoes are just to die for. They, you know, I can walk around everywhere <laughs> and my back stops hurting. I can walk so many laps. My knees, it's like I'm a brand new, it's like I'm a teenager again. <laughs> I can walk so many laps around the mall, it's incredible. <laughs> Dude, we okay. really are going to have, uh, we're going to oh, be having these God. conversations in like five years. Wait, but dude, you're saying we're gonna have like we're already. Do- no, I'm. This talking is literally about- how our conversations go. With you, always you're like, hey man, oh man, I found this incredible new back pillow. I have not never. Uh, said hey a man, back I got a pillow. perfect like. Hey, hey man, you ever suffer from hemorrhoids? Because <laughs> I got this. I do not have hemorrhoids. <laughs> yeah, so get serious. I, you just said you wanted to put all the jokes. I just, said, and shit I just up want top. you to be perfect. All I want to, all I want you to do is be professional. You just said you wanted yeah, to put all the up. jokes up top. Yeah, but I changed my mind because you said not Wait, to. you didn't tell me you changed your mind. <laughs> stupid. So stupid. Just be professional, man. Stop being so nervous. <laughs> what? Uh, Boy, that's a great start already. I wasn't even started. I'm, I'm getting my bearings. Hold on. Professional. squeaks out. <clears throat> okay. Go ahead. Did you? Well, I did it like three well, times in a row there for a little bit. That's fine, man. Just. Not too far from Miami, off the South Dixie Highway. It, it, <laughs> okay. Damn. Dude, this is. sexy with it, bro. God, this is going to take. Not too far off Miami's highway. <laughs> it did not sound that way. <laughs> oh, man. Dude, you got to learn how to talk like the dude from, uh, like the Oak Island guy. I swear. He's like. I'm, dude, I've watched. But did they find just, a golden paddle? It's the answer is no. They never found anything, but they said they did, so that you'd watch. But then at the very end, they never found. <laughs> no way, dude. Anything. This season's the, the season, uh, dude. That's what this is. This like is the one dude. that they're gonna find it. Mm-hmm. A crescent moon, a stone telescope, a water fountain, and <laughs> exciting. Dude! <laughs> uh, let's do some science real quick. You ready? Here we go. Okay. Dude, the best is like, let's do some science. Like, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Jesus. 